Welcome to From Heartache to Healing and Hope with your host, Bernadette Winters-Bell, LMSW. This podcast explores the many layers of life through the lens of loss and grief, often with special guests who share their perspectives on this universal yet unique process. These explorations can offer you, the listener, avenues to encourage you to have these conversations with yourself, your family, your community, your world. Hello, I'm Bernadette Winters-Bell, your host of the podcast From Heartache to Healing and Hope. What a treat I have for you today. There are two fabulous organizations out in Wisconsin and Minnesota, um, where it's pretty cold out there right now, but so creative. First, we have the Lake Arts Project with the co-founders, Jenny and Carl, and how they're working with people in very many modalities of visual arts and dance and music. It's inspiring. Then you're gonna meet Nancy from the organization Feast of Crispian. And this is veterans working with Shakespeare. The veterans who have been through PTSD and other forms of trauma and how working with different kinds of modalities, such as Shakespeare, believe it or not, and how wonderful it's been cathartic and releasing and relieving for them. It's really, it, it's revolutionary. That's what I called it. And so I can't wait for you to see this excellent podcast, a little longer than the others, but worth it. See you soon. Bernadette Winters-Bell from Heartache to Healing and Hope. Hello, I'm Bernadette Winters-Bell, your host of the podcast From Heartache to Healing and Hope. Wow, where do you see who's coming to visit us today? This is Carl and Jenny. Welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Oh, welcome, welcome. Okay, since you two know, well, you probably know one another, but you certainly know yourselves very, very well. And I'd like you to each introduce yourself to our audience so they know who you are, please. Well, I'm Jennifer Miller, um, co-director and co-founder of Lake Arts Project with this guy. Um, we go back a long ways with our ballet dancing days and teaching ballet days. And then we co-created a whole new, a whole new thing. Wow. And where are you speaking from today? We're speaking from the studios of uh, Minnesota Ballet. Um, one of the opportunities that has been afforded to us um, from the founding of Lake Arts Project and the work that we've done with Lake Arts Project is um, a, a change in venue for us. We, we began Lake Arts Project in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, since then, um, I have been hired as the artistic director of Minnesota Ballet and Jenny is my ballet master. Master, mm, that's important. I don't even know what a ballet master is, but that sounds important. So, you know, I skipped ahead. Sorry. Would you, Carl, tell us who you are, please? Uh, my name is Carl Van Robinow. Um, I am originally from Duluth, Minnesota, and that's where we're coming to you from right now is in Duluth. Um, and uh, I began dancing uh, at age 13. Mm. Uh, and that uh, training and career in dance uh, subsequently took me 
um, to Boston, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, um, toured the world uh, with Pittsburgh Valley Theater. And then um, our paths kept on crossing and uh, we ended up in Milwaukee Ballet together. And um, we thought we were pretty cool. So we hung out together. <laughs> and you both agreed that you're both very cool. Okay. Yeah. You had a majority vote. Excellent. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we've, uh, we uh, got married uh, almost 15 years ago now. It's wonderful. been a wonderful working relationship. Excellent. So at the time that you came together um, and decided to work professionally together, was that the inception of the Lake Arts Project? Lake Arts Project actually came out of our passion for teaching dance. Mm. Uh, and one of the things that we found was um, as we furthered our dance, our teaching careers, mm -hmm. how much our students were only getting one side of our art form. Um, mm. And that first kind of started to pop up with um, our students only knew what we were teaching them in studio as far as movement and musicality um, and spatial awareness, the, 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 the bones of our profession. Right. Um, but they were not being exposed to the history of the profession. Um, and then that led us to realizing that they had a gap in knowledge of art history um, and so we, we sat down over a, a period of, it, it took us about what, a, a good year mm -hmm. to kind of figure out, well, how do we, how can we support this, um, this uh, deficiency? Well, let me ask a question before you continue. Um, what was the motivator to feel that um, affording them information or uh, education on art history was important to the dance and the movement? What's the connection there for you both? Well, I think that if you look back in, in the history of dance, especially in the 20th century, you see such an amazing marriage of contemporary, of, of visual artists, uh, musical artists and dancers all collaborating, uh, Ballet Russe being the pinnacle of that in, in our memories. Um, but that, of course, has continued, but in not a, 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 a uh, open uh, presentation. Right, right. If I could add to that, um, just a simple example, because I like simple things. Um, if you're dancing Romeo and Juliet, it's hard to get the true understanding of what you're expressing on stage unless you read some Shakespeare and you've actually read Romeo and Juliet for that deeper understanding of what you're trying to portray. You know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking of um, when uh, people say see an art exhibit. Um, I've been to ones um, up here in upstate New York at the Fenimore um, Art Museum in Cooperstown. And so they'll have a, a showing of particular artist or type of art. And they also have a program where for I think a four week series, you go and First of all, the people that are presenting it are in the costumes or clothing of the time that the artist uh, painted. And then they serve food that would have been served at the time. And they provide history. 
So you really have a rich background to say, I can view this painting from my perspective here today. But if I think about what was going on in the world and right, and, and what else was going on and what was constricting in the clothing and maybe what the food was made of and was it heavy, you know, I mean, I almost missed the first night because I was thinking too much and would not enjoy. <laughs> but I, I appreciate what you're talking about as that foundation to really, um, really inform how they would dance. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, and, and dancers are, are we, we, um, we are um, an art form that has to pull together many different art forms. We're actors. We need to be musicians. Right. Um, and, and visually being able to express ourselves through movement. And so you, if you talk to any artist in their art form, they, they, they will do a lot of stuff that's personal to them, but then they will also go to different venues to learn more about it. You know, Renoir liked to go into his garden and right. the lilies in, in the pond. Um, other um, actors will go and they'll do intensive immersion into some form of, uh, some form that will help them more, uh, uh, more easily express their sure. character when they're in their film. Like you can see someone painting with certain type of music in the background that would create an environment, an atmosphere that they would feel more comfortable in or inspiring uh, to do things like that, surely. So do you mostly work with students? So what we decided to do around our kitchen table is we kind of picked a bunch of different ideas from different projects that we had been participants in. Mm -hmm. um, and what we came up with is we wanted to create a conversation amongst young artists and how do we do that and how do we make it informative dancers are notoriously shy until you get them talking as you will find out as we go with this podcast <laughs> but i found it so hard yet but go ahead <laughs> um what we wanted to do is we wanted to create a framework for these artists to have a conversation. And then um, what does uh, what will come out of that conversation? And we wanted them to understand the power of the art form that they are um, working in. Mm -hmm. And how do we then make that happen? And so what we did is we created an opportunity for um, artists, it originated with uh, visual artists coming up with visual art along the theme. And then there was original music that was also sometimes composed by viewing the artwork that has been created. And then we hired professional choreographers to view specific pieces of artwork and then choreograph those pieces of artwork to life. I love it. So someone could do a watercolor or some that kind of visual art. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then someone else puts music to it as it feels to them. Mm -hmm. And then someone comes in and choreographs movement, a dance that invokes this music and these visual arts. Exactly. And it's so interesting. It's like when you read a book, and you envision the characters in your head. 
And then if you go to the movies, you know, when you can go to the movies, uh, and you go, oh, no, no, he wasn't supposed to look like that. No, right, because we've envisioned what it is. So even the, um, the visual artist may not see it the way the choreographer did or the musician did. But that's what's so interesting, makes it rich to bring all those different views out. Oh, I love it. Absolutely, yes. And it affords the, each layer of that, those artists, it affords them an opportunity to see how their artwork is impacting those around them, which is something that um, when I was a student, it, we weren't really taught that. We were taught these are the steps and we're going to learn these steps. And then eventually that's going to become choreography. Well, you know, I started taking ballet class at that bar right over my shoulder here. And um, I am not embarrassed to admit that there were many times I would be facing that bar doing some exercises and I was saying to myself, why am I doing this? Yeah, exactly. I had my first performance and I knew right. why I did well, that. As soon as you get that rush of energy and people are, okay, I'm in, <laughs> right. But until then, you're right. All it was was, oh, I have to go practice again today or, right, make sure I do it the way the teacher wants us to, right? Yes. So you're giving it to them more at the beginning, near the beginning of the process, as opposed to when the final product is presented like in a concert or a recital or something like that to the community. And how have you found that they receive that information, you know, the... Yeah, why don't you speak to that, Jenny? When when they see a visual artist paint something, for instance, and then music is written, and then there's a dance to their picture, how have you seen them react? So exciting for them. I think our young artists, starting with the dancers, like Carl was saying, they get used to this certain kind of regimen. And as we know, like it takes so many um, it takes a lot of experience to make a professional career, career work to really understand what, what goes into it. So we're trying to provide these opportunities and then we give them a, a taste of bringing this artwork that they've worked so hard on such tedious work for such a long time and that really kind of brings it to life. And I think it's a new experience for all of them. So we started with our dancers and then we meet other young artists, some visual artists, some writers, some musicians, and it's exactly the same thing. And they just, they have no idea that they can have such an impact, that a young person can have such an impact on an audience, a full audience of people. Well, if you think about that, when any one of us are creating something, um, you know, it might be a grilled cheese sandwich, but we're creating <laughs> and we're living in our own head and heart and spirit. And so, of course, the only one contributing to it is our head, our heart and our spirit. And so when it comes out of here and you see it out and others reacting to it differently than you thought they might or a different vision or an expanded one. Right. You, I could easily see how it'd be like, wow, <laughs> like mm -hmm. a right, like an awakening maybe mm -hmm. for them. That's terrific, wonderful. And um, so you have a, an association with schools to do this kind of work with students or your students here or? When we began, we were both teaching at Milwaukee Valley School and Academy. And um, we came up with a framework for our first project. And 
we just emailed schools. And, you know, we went through a whole, we emailed towards the end of the year because we thought, you know what, there'd be, you know, too much by the time we had figured out for the schools to, to be dealing with at the end of the season or the school right. year. So we emailed it after that. And we went and, and we did our summer work and was getting towards the beginning of school. And we're like, well, I guess nobody's going to want to do this. How do we go forward with this from here? And lo and behold, Sherry Moser from Arrowhead High School emailed us back and said, this sounds interesting. Would you like to meet with us? And we're like, we would love to. Yes. And at that point, um, we had already met uh, and fell in love with Beatrice. And uh, she had done some beautiful um, film work for us to start our first um, campaign to raise money. And so we came with that uh, information and that video and we sat down with them and we uh, told them what we were hoping to do and they thought it was a fantastic idea. Um, one of the amazing things for us with Lake Arts Project is, um, and this I think is, is an expression of the power of art and it gets lost too often, is that we as a, as a society, uh, as humans, crave this opportunity to create something beautiful. So that what we have found literally each year that we have done Lake Arts Projects is we start with an idea, we, we reach out to people, ask them if they would like to be a part of this, and then this project, this little idea becomes far larger than we ever expected it to be. And that has been true from the very first project to the last one that we've done, mm -hmm. um, even in the midst of a pandemic. Um, so as you're talking, I'm seeing a, a seed or two or three being planted and you hope for a beautiful flower or bush or, and then it just blossoms out beyond what it was meant to be. Wow. So huge chaotic storm that ends up, you know, with a rainbow at the end or something, because in the middle, sometimes we feel like, what, what have we done here? You know, as we're asking for collaborations and other people to join in and lend their opinions and suggestions right. in their work. And then we kind of go, oh God, how's this gonna work? And then, you know, that's an interesting point because when you learn to trust the process in whatever it is that people you do, um, you have to learn, you have to, I hate to say those words. It would be good <laughs> to, to trust that there will be chaotic mess. It'll be messy in the middle, no question. Yes. But if you trust it'll grow to where it's supposed to be, even if it's not your exact vision, mm -hmm. yes. that's exciting. Yes, yes. yes. I see that in therapy, in working with clients. And it mm -hmm. may not, you know, I may think it's gonna go and it goes, <laughs> but we, if we get to the, you know, and I could see that happening with yours, um, and then our humanness gets in the way, you know, because we want to control things. Well, some of us do. <laughs> and oh, I wonder if this is going to work. Is this going to happen? You know, absolutely. Right. And then it comes to be. Wow. So how has it been? You've given me a wonderful history up until, say, then the pandemic hit. And so, of course, the arts were hit as hard as any industry. Um, 
So how has it been? How was it when they first said, okay, everyone stay home? What did you do then that day? It was really difficult. We were not only dealing with the pandemic, but other another huge thing in our life. We moved here to Duluth, Minnesota. So uh, Carl started working before I did here. So I stayed back with our kids in Milwaukee for another six months and was trying to get Lake Art started, which of course started smoothly in the fall of 2019. Right. And we were working with Milwaukee Valley. We were working with Alliance High School, working with Feast of Crispian, uh, you know, had the holidays after New Year's, we returned, we had a workshop, it was a second or third workshop, working with music and um, working with veterans in mm. circles, drum circles was kind of our theme. And then um, we moved, the girls and I moved up here and joined Carl and then we found that everything was just kind of frozen with the pandemic. So I, I just started, I try to stay in touch. I try to say, you know, maybe a couple of months, maybe three months from now, maybe we can just postpone everything. And then it became clear that what we were planning was not going to happen. So at that point we asked all the artists that were involved to create their own work in their own space. Um, and they submitted wonderful videos, um, reciting poems, composing music, her own daughter composed a, a piano composition for it. And we pieced them together into a kind of quilts of, you know, it started off as our original theme, but then kind of blossomed into, you know, chaotically into its its own kind of pandemic theme. And I can't wait to show that uh, to the audience because I've seen it and oh. just excellent, especially that little piano player. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a lot what, other people have done, you know, so pivot was the big word of the year. Um, so, you know, we all go home and it's like, well, this could be a week or two or, all right, all right, we'll, we'll get through spring, you know, and we kept planning for seasons. And then you, I heard, well, it'll be better in the summer. In a lot of ways it was, we're outdoors, there's the sunshine. But there was this thought, hope, wish that the fall would bring, it would be better. It was just gonna be, kids would be back at school, things would be, and of course that didn't happen, right? And then you have to make bigger plans, like what do we do for next season, for next year? What, you know, what is it that we do? Yeah, so um, when you came to the summer, what is it that you did when you saw that you needed really a whole different plan? I feel like it was really a roller coaster. I thought one day, just, you know, give it up. Let's just hibernate, right. you know, Lake Arts Project, we'll just hibernate for a while. And then the next day, we can do a little something, you know? So it was the, the, the goal was not only, you know, as a small nonprofit, it's hard to stay afloat anyways, right. but it was that restarting and, you know, coming up with something huge to make an impact to restart. So I think for the summer, we did kind of hibernate and then in, in the fall, we started just kind of working on our little ideas. Um, and then, you know, Beatrice again, thank God for Beatrice called us and just kind of woke us up and went, yes, we can do this and had some wonderful energy and ideas for us. So now we move forward with our, um, our film and hopefully a project, you know, maybe a, a... I think that we are poised to come out of this ready to go. Um, that's one of the, 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 
major benefits of being as small as we are and being more of a collaborative organization than a, um, for lack of a better description, a brick and mortar. Yes, uh, You know, we, we can reach out to people. Um, we've made great contacts here in the city of Duluth um, to, to, uh, to go back to work. I think that I can speak for Jen that um, the trajectory or the path that Lake Arts Project has taken has um, been an incredibly rewarding, difficult, mm -hmm. and uh, unexpected journey. Where we have found ourselves, and I think that where we are um, just incredibly committed to at this point is um, how do we take the original intents, uh, intent of what we were doing with these high school students and these artists and turn it into a healing tool for lack of a description. Um, and it was about uh, five years ago, four years ago, that um, uh, Feast of Crispian reached out to us. Um, we've had a, a history with um, them um, personally for a while. Excuse me, and is that an organization locally? They are based out of Milwaukee and they work with veterans to help them work through um, reintegration into society issues. Um, Super. So they work with veterans and you work with veterans? We work with veterans now because of Feast of Crispian. Um, I'm the son of a military um, person. person mm -hmm. uh, my dad was in the Air Force, um, served in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, it's very personal because I, my relationship with my father fell apart um, and I, uh, I, I respected him tremendously for his commitment to our country as, uh, as all veterans have. And I was, um, I think I was trying to, without acknowledging it, trying to find a way back to having a conversation with him. Um, but out of that comes these ex uh, absolutely incredible incredibly extraordinary experiences with these individuals. Um, when we speak of veterans, quite often we, we create this uh, denotation of an individual and what we visualize, you know, we talked about earlier. Um, and then in person, they are people. Oh, you mean not just cool uniforms that somebody yeah. says, thank you for your service? Right, right. And one of the things that we don't acknowledge about life is that it, it is not idyllic. It's not the Truman Show idea. Um, it, is, it is not clean, but that's what makes it beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the people that we have had the, the true deep honor to work with through um, Feast of Crispian and, and Lake Arts Project have given more to us mm -hmm. than we could have ever imagined. And we hope that we are able to reciprocate that mm -hmm. uh, in, in any way possible. And I think that that's where we're really committed in to then bring them together with high school students right. that are able to spend time with them and learn um, how similar we all are. Um, the turning point in the original 
uh, Lakehart's project with Visa Crispian was a large circle of high school students, writers and musicians, and talking about, um, they had three items that they had to correlate to their life. And they were going around the circle and uh, one of the students, he said, well, this item reminds me of the worst day I've ever had. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's nothing like what you all have experienced in speaking to a veteran. And one of the veterans across the room said, I got to stop you there. Mm -hmm. I want you to understand one thing. Your worst day feels as bad as my worst day. Right. right. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. If a little girl mm -hmm. loses her doll, that's as profound as the king loses his crown. Exactly. It, it is to them. Absolutely. And from there, I think that that's where you know we saw with that particular project, this incredible focus, I guess, and commitment to that then idea that we had set forth. And, it, and that's where it kind of took off on its own. And I think that we are personally very committed to continuing to do this. It, um, the responses that we've gotten from, from veterans has been uh, incredibly profound to us. We're grateful that we are able to create that space for them to investigate. You know, some of them, you know, we've had uh, movement seminars for them and they show up going, why am I here? <laughs> I'm a veteran and you want me to go to a movement seminar? Really? Yeah, you could easily see yeah. that. Sure. And what comes out of, invariably, what has come out of each of those seminars is, so you're going to do a performance, huh? Like, yes. Mm -hmm. Can I, can I be in it? That's the whole point. Right, right. They are over the moon excited about it. Isn't that exciting? Wow. So they, they, they're finding that what we do is incredibly cathartic and powerful in its own way. And it allows them the, uh, another avenue to express themselves. And probably much to their shock and surprise mm -hmm. that that kind of movement would be helpful in that way. So I, I guess I know the answer to this, but what gives you hope for the future? You know, there are two things that come to my mind, and if I might first. Um, one of the things that was absolutely astounding for both of us was the level of commitment to creativity of high school students, mm. number one. Um, and number two is the humanity that we have experienced through this project has been extraordinary. We have I, we have never taken full credit for what that final performance is because it is such an incredible experience for everybody involved and the greatness that we experience that we see in each of those performances is because there's so much energy that comes to make that final experience. Um, it's not a performance, it's an experience. Absolutely. It's Wonderful. And for you, 
Jenny, what brings you hope for the future? My thoughts went in a different direction. I think as far as hope for the future, the one of the things I noticed about the whole pandemic is we had to get rid of a whole lot of extra in our life, just extra trips to the store, extra trips to movies and entertainment, that kind of thing, and just staying at home and kind of literally getting to the heart of everything. And I feel like we'll go forward with our hearts and, and um, we're gonna see a lot of people that are gonna need us and our hearts and our compassion and maybe the arts, you know, being a big part of that, just that, that creative expression coming through to help us heal and, uh, and get back together, literally socially, physically get back together. I think it's um, so well said for both of you because, you know, so many things we took for granted. Oh, we could go to the movies, we could go to a show, we could go to a recital, um, a play, you know, thinking that Broadway is shut down as a New Yorker is, you know, unbelievable. Sure. Yeah. Um, but when we can't do these things, that's what forces us, allows us, you can pick your verb, how you're feeling, to really grow an appreciation um, for socialization, for what it's like to be out and exchange energies um, and to appreciate these things and see them and experience them, whether it's in an art gallery or on a stage or in whatever manner it is and how much it gives our spirit. You know, we have so much that we uh, feed our head with, you know, probably that comes before how much we feed our bellies, you know, but what are we feeding our souls and spirits with? And, um, I don't want it to be more than what we're feeding our head and bellies. If we just got even and balanced it, that would seem really good to me. Well, this has been a fabulous interview. Thank you so much. I could keep on talking and talking and I see you both could also. <laughs> so we do have with us um, some interesting people from the feast, <laughs> as you spoke of St. Christian. And so we're going to go right into that. If you would just stay with us, would that be acceptable to both of you? Oh, We'd love to. Okay, excellent. So Beatrice, as you have uh, referenced, is a uh, producer extraordinaire. And so, oh, and who do we have here? Is this Nancy? Hi, yes. Well, Hi. Nancy, welcome, welcome. Hi, Melanie. Very interesting conversation. I'd like you to introduce two friends you might have seen before, Carl and Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, first, welcome to my podcast from Heartache to Healing and Hope. Thank you. We've been having a wonderful time talking. Um, about the Lake Arts Project, yeah. and you're associated with the difference. So why don't we start by you speaking to our audience and letting them know who you are. Introduce yourself, if you'd be so kind. Um, hello, everybody. Hello. It's so good to see you guys in uh, Duluth out there, where it's even colder <laughs> than here. Um, my name is Nancy Smith-Watson. I'm the program director for the nonprofit organization Feast of Crispian, um, which is a veteran support organization using uh, acting skills and, and in particular Shakespeare, which mm. is a pretty strange combination. Well, it's original. I'll give you that. I hadn't heard of it before <laughs> this. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Yeah, there, there's actually one other organization that works exactly that way as, as well so it's it, it is original. how did it come to be how did this organization come to be nancy well um there's uh shakespeare 
organization out in uh, Lenox, Massachusetts called Shakespeare and Company that is one of the oldest Shakespeare companies in the country. And uh, they have a really dynamic education department. And they had a program that we were here in Milwaukee were very interested in, in seeing if we couldn't import it called Shakespeare in the Courts. And Shakespeare in the Courts is a um, alternative sentencing program for juvenile offenders. So instead of having them pick up uh, garbage or something like that, they were sentenced to Shakespeare. And uh, just like whenever I mentioned what we do, there was a lot of skepticism about that as well. But through the years, it's, it's, a, it's been around for a long time at this point. I can easily see the kids going, never mind, I'll pick up garbage. Forget. Yes, yes. yes this, that is. <laughs> this is true. This is true. And, uh, and yet at the end of that, what they get is they get the kids completely devoted and crying and not wanting to leave because they've had this amazing experience there. And that's, that's kind of the experience we have with, with veterans as well. You know, where our mission is really dealing with veterans who have PTSD and all the symptoms that go along with that depression, addiction, um, um, you know, having a hard time reintegrating because of those kinds sure. of, and a lot of times we get veterans who are sort of nudged in um, the the majority of veterans that we work with are, are in residential programming in the va milwaukee has a regional uh, va hospital it's got 180 bed regional pro uh, residential program and so we go in there and we recruit and they don't have a lot to do on the weekends and they think they're going to come in and watch us do Shakespeare, no matter how well we explain to them that they are actually going to be the ones doing it. And uh, they come in on Friday night and think that it's not going to be anything for them. And it's really rare for us to lose any of them. They get very hooked into it very, very quickly. It's, uh, it's a kind of an amazing community builder a lot of them tell us that one of the things they love about it is that it really very quickly gives them that sense of camaraderie that they miss so much from the military. Even if they had a bad experience in the military, to a, to a person, they really miss that sense of um, tight bonds that they get with each other when they're, when they're in the military. Well, you could see that, you know, we talk about um, being in a family or being in a community, yeah. uh, being in the hood, being in the band of brothers, you know, brothers, uh, being with my peeps, you know, there's many, many yeah. different ways that we say, I want to be with people that I feel comfortable with that accept me for who I am. That's right. Right. And that's, this is another way to say it, but yeah. to say to people, Oh, you're a veteran and you have some form of trauma. Where do you get Shakespeare? Boy, William, <laughs> helping you. Exactly. I can see that might be a tough sell. <laughs> right. Right. It but is. when I was doing uh, reading on actually your website and talk, think reading that. So Shakespeare talks a lot about war and trauma and right. violence and I thought, well, yeah, that matches right in different time. There weren't a lot of these and those now, but they were then. But I saw a clip of taking Shakespeare's words and having someone repeat them. That's right. And then suggesting emotions mm -hmm. that they, they know they have experienced that goes with that. 
That's right. You know, and so that I could easily see when you say, and the, I hate, I hate, I just made that up. I don't <laughs> and then someone else says, and remember when such and such happened and did you feel angry? Yes, I felt angry. And it, it helps them to give words and expression to their emotions. Yeah, Doing, I do life loss and grief counseling, so I'm there. Um, finding where it is in our body is the first thing. You know, like if I ask someone how you are and their shoulders are up by their ears and they go, yeah, I'm doing good. Okay, we got some work here to do. Exactly. Um, so first they have to access where it is or acknowledge even that it's there. That's right. Nope, I'm doing good. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you want to see what they've pushed down because it's there, yeah. you know. And then for them to, to know that it's there because they're hearing words that, it's starting to bubble up. They're not going to tell you, but you can see in their faces. Right. That's correct. Almost as if you could see the water bubbling up. And then when you give them words as suggestions, this possibly could, this saying of, or piece of a play from Shakespeare could evoke these emotions. Mm -hmm. And that rings true for them. Immediately up comes that acknowledgement, up comes perhaps the emotion. All right, let's push down those tears. I'm not showing them I'm a, you know, weak or anything else we might associate with crying. And then I could see them getting into it and just allowing it to flow because it is how they feel. And it is such a relief to get those emotions out. I was thinking of this before when I was talking with Carl and Jenny, that when we do any sort of art, visual arts, uh, dance, uh, mu music, that there's such a power in the movement that unless you're really into the, the arts, you don't know that. You, you may enjoy watching it, but there's such a relief and a release that comes from that. So well, it's, not, it's actually, it, it actually is physiological. I mean, that's one of yes. the reasons why we use Shakespeare is because in, and I, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but in, in uh, PTSD, parts of the brain are, are on sleep mode. I like to yeah. use the metaphor of the right, computer right. because it works the best. They're not, it's not broken, mm -hmm. but it's turned off because anything, anything in the sensory awareness makes them feel. And when they feel, they feel bad. And so those things are all turned off. Right. Right. And when they speak Shakespeare, Shakespeare is loaded with metaphor and image and it's, it's poetic language. And in poetic, what poetics does is it compares things in order to help us have the, the sensation of what the experience is. It's mm -hmm. not trying to get just plain old ideas across. It's trying right. to put the feeling that we're going through inside somebody else's body. And so when we use Shakespeare, it, it literally uh, turns those sensory parts of the brain back on. They can't understand the language unless they turn that part of the brain back on again. Exactly. And so it, it helps them to start to have those feelings. You are so right about the, the embodiment that needs to happen for them to be able to really process all this stuff. And that's, it, that's such a, what I call the magical properties of Shakespeare, because it's got, it's got so many things, the, the, the rhyme and the rhythm also work in a particular kind of way that, that uh, really helps to get at the, the kinds of brain 
changes that have happened because of, of trauma. So Absolutely. Special. And um, when we think of, okay, let's pretend I'm a student or a vet and someone is going to suggest that I make a piece of art or I come and recite Shakespeare. Well, that feels pretty safe. You don't think, uh-oh, they're going near my emotions. Mm -mm, it's going to be scary stuff. And so because they don't get that signal from inside of them, it's a safe place to go. And because I can see that you all set up safe places for them to yes. do this, right, then they're able, willing, to allow this to come out because it's not someone saying, so let's talk about your emotions. Okay, exactly. let's start with anger because that's a big one, you know, right? That would be not successful, absolutely. Right. And, and, and that's your, you know, you, you, you nailed this right down the line. I mean, the, the, the part of what makes it safe is they actually don't have to have real anger. They can just make the shapes of anger and the noise of anger and those kinds of uh, physiological responses are what, like you talked about before, just start to bubble up a little bit because of that. And so it, it they, and then they're allowed, they're given somebody else's words to express that anger. Right. And they, they, what they tell us is they feel very relieved about that afterwards. And, and, and a lot of what the mental health people talk to us about that they love about the program is that it allows for them to really go all the way through an emotion and out the other side of it. Whereas if they're in therapy, when they get a little piece of an emotion, they're going to manage it. They're going to deal with it. They're going to talk about it. And they're not actually going to get to express it all the way through. And because it's Shakespeare, they can get as mad as they want. They can, you know, rage all over the room and all they get at the end of that is applause and people are you know excited about how what a what a great acting job that was and then they have gotten to really fully express this anger and nobody got hurt and exactly. nobody's nobody's mad at them and that goes back to something that carl was saying before is that when he was a young person in training, he had no idea what he was doing at that bar all the time and practicing. But you just have to go out in front of the audience one time and feel the energy and feel the love in the room and the applause and the, yeah. the people want you to succeed. You're like, yeah, okay, I'm in now because this is what I, what I get from it. And that's not how it's sold in either case for what uh, both of you and your wonderful projects are doing mm -hmm. that, oh, you'll feel better, come and do this, you'll feel better, which is never a good selling <laughs> point I found. Um, That's right. <laughs> right. Come and talk to me about what hurts and then you'll feel better, no. Um, <laughs> however, let's paint a picture. Let's listen to Shakespeare. Oh, okay, these are safe things to go to. And then when the emotions come up, and of course what you all know is that once it comes up and out, and that's what my mentor always used to say, it has to come up and out, Bernadette. We used to make fun of her, but she's right. Um, that if it's sitting on your head, on your heart, your spirit, your respiratory system, your cardiac system, mm -hmm. doing nothing good but hurting you, plus you're the only one having input into it. Um, so when it comes up and out to the light of day, so to speak, then it has an opportunity to dissipate a bit, or at least exactly. be in a bigger space with more nurturing support from other people, you know? 
Oh, that's wonderful. So the veterans are doing Shakespeare. Are they doing any other art forms? Well, sure. That's not what, what we do. Um, we, we actually have a, a really amazing program here at RVA and they have art therapists and music therapists there as well. And, and, and once they've gone through our program, a lot of them really appreciate all sorts of other kinds of art forms and, and go do that. I, I, uh, I don't know if, they, if Jenny and Carl talked about Carissa, who was one of our vets that has done Lake Arts Project for the last couple of years. And she does, uh, she paints and she takes photography classes and, uh, and now she dances as well. And, and so, so not just a hard-nosed vet, other things too. That's right. You know, yeah. Carl mentioned to me before that these are people <laughs> and he's absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing, exactly. How wonderful all of this comes around. So one of the questions I asked them was, you know, this gives me a lovely picture for our audience of what it was like, say, up until last February, March, a year ago, and then the pandemic happened. And how did that impact your your project? Yeah, it's it's impacted us entirely. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's a lot of talk about, oh, you have to think outside the box and get really creative about what you can do. But what really, really works for us is that in person yeah that ability to be in the room with people uh to be able to for for us as facilitators to be able to track what's going on with folks mm -hmm. so that we can really support things that are coming up but maybe they're getting too activated in something and we want to pay attention to that and that's yes. really hard to do on zoom for sure uh, so, and the, the ways that we work with them uh, just don't really work on Zoom. So it, it has really impacted us a lot and in, in, in not being able to meet with our, our folks in person. We still have things going on where we teach a class uh, at, the, at the domiciliary at the residential programming in the VA virtually. Uh, we have uh, um, an African-American veteran only acting class going on right now. And actually they are doing August Wilson. Mm. Um, they're not doing Shakespeare, but they're having a blast doing that, uh, that I hear of. <laughs> and um, so, you know, we've, we've, we have sort of thought outside the box a little bit with how to go ahead and support certain aspects of our, of our population that we work with. Right. But we're really looking forward to being able to get back to what we do because it's it's um it's just not replicable on online what we mm -hmm. do so i know that lake arts also uh carl and jenny uh work with vets are they doing dancing also jenny and carl yes that's that's one of the components with uh with the collaboration is um we have a third major major collaborator and his name is adam mckinney He's mm -hmm. the co-founder of DNA Works, and he's the one that that has helped us with the movement seminars uh, that I spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and when when they ask to be a part of the the performance, they are a part of the performance, and to whatever level they're comfortable, very much like what Feast of Crispian does. Um, and for some of them, it is doing less than others and that's that's what we're here for we're here for them to experience that and and find out 
how that impacts them and how they want to express themselves through that art form. I think we, we try to fulfill their needs along with the art we're trying to create. And as, as Nancy mentioned, Carissa, one of a dear friend of ours now, a lifelong friend, she now proclaims that she is not only a veteran, but a mother and a dancer and a singer and a writer and a painter. That's weird. Yeah, and then the, on the other end of the scope, we have a, a lovely older gentleman who simply walked onto the stage and sat in a chair while the dancers told his story, but it was super impactful as well because there was interaction, you know, there was physical movement with him. and. Um, again, just so powerful, even though that's all he needed to do. Well, you know, people that participate, as you're so well aware, and some by sitting and taking it in, and some by speaking or dancing or painting. So participation doesn't actually have to include this talking thing I do. Um, we can participate by being and listening and appreciating, absolutely, whatever their needs are, as you were saying. Wow, this is huge. I'd like to see it all over the country, as I'm sure all of you would. Yes. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I think, uh, um, Bernadette, that one of the things that I find so powerful about the collaboration is bringing the veterans into the room with the kids. And I, I expect that Carl and Jenny have already talked about the, the last two years, the collaboration was working in a high school here in Milwaukee that's specifically the kids are uh, have been through childhood trauma and they're in a charter school that uh, is able to support that. So bringing in these combat vets like, like we do and having them in the room with these kids has just been, uh, it's just, it's absolutely phenomenal to, to see those people come together. Um, the, the vets are, they're not sure how that's going to go when they walk into the room and i don't think the kids are they they don't know anything about what vet what it means to be a veteran and then as they all start sharing their stories with each other and the, and the veterans really you know and the veterans are are very very service oriented and so stepping up to support the kids when they're talking about their stories and what comes next it's just wow it's 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 a pretty moving experience that's yeah. excellent excellent um, so I understand that there was um, a grant uh, from the NEA, um, and in what way did that impact either or both of your organizations? Well, you guys should uh, speak I, about that. Yeah, I think that um, from our perspective, it was uh, an enormous opportunity for us to take our, our message outside of our home hub at the time of, of Milwaukee and to be able to go uh, to New York and um, and meet more amazing people, you know, I think that this is that that's the, that's the gift that we're getting um, is again it's the humanity of of these connections that art in all forms brings, and it's also the um, the ability to open the doors for other people to understand that we all are artists. We're all dancers. We all move. We all express. And so that was the amazing thing for us with NEA. You know, I mean, it doesn't help to be able to put that on your, yeah. <laughs> your byline. <laughs> at all. So in other words, you've been watching me dance in the kitchen and I'm not getting away with it. So I can't say I'm not a dancer. I see how this goes, <laughs> but it's true. 
we may not do, I certainly don't, at the level of performing the way that you're facilitating people to do it. That doesn't mean that we're not a speaker or a dancer or a painter. You know, it may be chalk on the sidewalk, but you can be an artist of sorts. Well, this has been fascinating. I can't wait for my audience to see and hear what's, I think, um, perhaps revolutionary, too strong a word. Okay, no, I think it's good um, to talk about different ways. And also, I think it's an important piece in history right now to say the arts aren't something we do when we finish with science and English and math. No, this is altogether how we become holistic beings, mind, soul, and body. And what, what we always say is that, that story is how human beings understand what things that can't be explained. And we have to be able to tell story and, and, and how we as human beings tell story is through the arts. Is, is so important. And, and the more we go along in a, a world filled with digital this will be a technical term, stuff. Um, and we don't need a, comp a, um, a calculator. We can just, we don't even have to learn to add actually. Some people are saying, and we just can look up all these things. But what you're sharing is that these are experiences to come into your spirit, not something to be learned and then spit back out again, but rather that's what helps you to grow as a person and an individual and within a family and then a community, the nation and the world. You know, I can see this getting bigger and bigger. Well, I wanna thank you all, Carl and Jenny and Nancy, this has been so illuminating. And I say that because now I've learned something and my motto is always learn one new thing a day and I've learned bunches of it. So I'm so done for today now. <laughs> and I wanna thank you for coming and sharing with this audience of how people have changed personally and professionally, what brought them to where they are, what they're offering, how they changed and pivot and now poise call. Thank you, I'm gonna steal that word from you um, and ready to go and what gives them hope for the future. So thank you each and each one of you for coming onto the podcast from heartache to healing and hope and sharing your amazing stories with my audience. Thank you. Thank you, my Very pleasure. Much.